came to pass that a certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus' answer was, the jackals or the foxes have their holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plough, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves, without baggage, carry neither purse, nor scrip, nor shoes. Salute no man by the way. You've got to be in a hurry. You're to go from to the house. If they accept you, well and good. If they don't, then go forth and wipe the dust off your feet. And when you go, you heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come unto you. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! If the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, that had been done in you, they would have a great while repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. It shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you, Chorazin and Bethsaida. And Capernaum? You which are exalted to heaven shall be cast down to hell. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth you despiseth me, and he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. The seventy returned again with joy. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Once again, our Lord is confronted with would-be followers, one of whom Jesus himself asked to follow him, but family affections hindered him. And another said he would follow Jesus, but he was not yet ready to do so right then. Jesus is asking for commitment. So our Lord commissioned 72 others of his many disciples to go into the harvest, and he gave them the authority to heal the sick and to announce that the kingdom of God had come near in the person of the Lord Jesus. They had divine authority to authenticate the message of the coming kingdom of God. But did the cities believe their message? No. And those cities who rejected the gospel message of the coming kingdom with Jesus as their king, well, those cities who rejected the gospel message of the coming kingdom with Jesus as their king would be harshly judged in the day of judgment. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell with the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Luke chapter 9, verse 59. Today we come again to you, and we rejoice in the privilege of sitting down and talking to you face to face, heart to heart, 
with respect to some of these wonderful truths we find in the gospel through Luke. We are just finishing chapter 9, and in our last lesson we were dealing, in fact, our last few lessons we've been dealing with the confession of Peter that Jesus is the Christ, then the announcement of his death, then we have the transfiguration of our Savior with the second announcement of his death, and then we have the question of, of humility, the sign of humility is greatness in the kingdom of God. And here we're coming now to the, to the final testimony of the Lord to Israel. Now between chapters 4 and 9, there were about 15 miracles, plus some verses where it says he healed a great many. But 15 specific miracles are mentioned. But now from, from this chapter on, chapter 10, right on down through chapter 24, you only have five miracles. We're dealing with our Lord's uh, uh, traveling on through to Jerusalem. He, he steadfastly, steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And found in chapter 9, he was rejected by the Samaritans. And at the end of the chapter, he teaches what a real disciple is. And when we come to chapter 10, he sends out the 70. Allow me to spend a moment or two again on the last part of chapter 9, where our Lord, you remember, uh, came to pass that a certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. That sounds very commendable, but Jesus' answer was, the jackals or the foxes have their holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And the Lord knew the heart of this man, and this man was looking for a material gain. I'll go wherever you go. Remember, the Lord has been very, very popular. He's performed a great many miracles. And this man wanted to get in and, and be one of his disciples. The Lord, knowing his heart, said, Well, I'll be very frank with you, sir. If you follow me, I, I have nothing to offer you in a material way. The foxes have their holes, and the birds of the air have their nests. But I, the Son of Man, I haven't a place to lay my head. And you hear no more about this fellow. The kingdom of God is not materialistic. And how many have been hindered from going on being a real disciple of Christ because of the pull of the world? They want to be somebody in the world. And my friend, uh, the world is, is no friend of the grace of God. Let me say this. The world never understood the Savior. The world cast him out. The world doesn't understand him today. And the world doesn't understand believers either. Neither you nor me. You see, when you and I accepted the Savior, we were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and we were translated into the kingdom of his blessed Son. And Paul could say concerning the world, I quote from Galatians six fourteen when he said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. And how many, I repeat it sadly, how many there are who profess the name of Christ whose whole life, whole ambition is what they can get in this world. The kingdom of God is not materialistic. Now the next one, if the first man is hindered by the world, the second fellow, in fact, the next two men are hindered by the flesh. Well, I want to read this. I'll read them both together. He said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, 
suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the, God, the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Now in these both cases, you have them hindered by the flesh. First one, the first one, you remember, dad comes first. Now there's nothing wrong with filial duty. If this man's father had died, he wouldn't have been following the crowd. He would have been doing his filial duty, bearing his father. What he really meant was, you let me go and stay with dad until dad dies. And then when he's gone, I'll come and follow you. The Lord's answer was, let the dead bury their dead. The Lord is not going to take second place to anyone. So this first one is hindered by the flesh. Note the second one. He said, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at my house. And you have, this is the end of that picture. What's the matter with the second fellow? Again, he's hindered by the flesh. He wanted to follow the Lord on his own time. He wanted to take the time and go home and be with his folks for a while and then, then follow the Lord. He wanted it. I say he wanted to follow the Lord on his own time. How many people, and I say professing Christians, are not disciples because not only the pull of the world, but also because of their relationships to others, whether it be dad or whether it be in the family, wherever it may be. When he says, follow me, he wants you to follow him right then. He must be first. As I said a while ago, if I were to give you a definition of a real disciple of Jesus Christ, we must have real affection, devotion to the Savior himself personally, and then to be obedient to his word. And then he gives us a warning in verse 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And what does the Lord mean by that? The question is, is your heart in it? This is the trouble here. It's got to be a reality. Somebody put his hands, well, I'm going to follow Jesus. The next minute he's gone back. There's no heart in it. I, I, I'm thinking of that woman the, who's the wife of Lot. You remember Lot's wife? She left Sodom with Lot and the two girls, but her heart was still in Sodom, and she kept looking back. Instead of following along with Lot, she turned back, she looked back, he turned to a pillar of salt. He wants us on his own time. He wants us to be real. This is what I'm after. He wants us to be real disciples. Now, I'm not saying we won't fail God. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm talking about a, a, an attitude of heart to the Savior where the Lord himself is the object of your love and affection and when you'll be obedient to his word. This is what I'm after. And I'm sure this is what's in the mind of the Savior. Now we come down to the sending out of the 70. Chapter 10, 1 to 24. And Luke is the only one who gives to us the sending out of the 20. And seeing that we've already mentioned something of the sending out of the 12, there's quite a bit of similarity here. And I'm just going to read some of this portion of Luke chapter 10 and then possibly say one or two words concerning it. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself 
would come. Now that means the, the 70 were sent to the people of Israel. Allow me to again say it, our Lord said he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Or as the epistle of Romans says, he was sent to confirm the promises made to the fathers. And in Matthew chapter 10, when he sent out the 12, he said, you will not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man comes. In other words, our Lord sent the 12 out, and now he sends the 70 out, giving to them his credentials that the Messiah is here. In the time allotted to our Savior, from the time he started his ministry until he was crucified, approximately three and a half years, he hadn't covered all of Israel. So he sends the 12 out, now he sends the 70 into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. The first thing, Mark, please, the need for laborers. The need for laborers. And the Lord is the one who sends them out. And the laborers are few. There's a harvest to be gathered in. The harvest is ready. But the trouble is that too many of us Christians are not reaping the harvest. We keep putting it off. We postpone the harvest. You remember in John chapter 4, when our Lord was in Samaria, he said to the disciples, You say there are four months, and then cometh harvest. I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look. The field is already under harvest. You have the same thought in Matthew chapter 9. He saw the great crowds of people, and he had compassion upon them, for they were a sheep having no shepherd. And he turned to his disciples and said, You pray the Lord of the harvest, that he will thrust forth his laborers into his harvest, that the harvest might be gathered in. I repeat it, there's a harvest to be gathered in, and the laborers are few. And notice, we, I quote again from Luke chapter 10, the second verse, also in Matthew chapter 9, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. Sometimes I wonder if the lack of laborers are due to the fact that the people of God do not pray. I have a tremendous responsibility to pray that the Lord will raise up laborers to go into the harvest, that he will send them forth. Now, here is cooperation with God. Many of you will say, well, Mr. Mitchell, I can't preach. I can't teach. I'm not an evangelist. I'm tied down with my family and with my job. No, but you can pray. This is cooperation. May I remind you the Lord gave us three simple commands. One is, lift up your eyes and look. Get a vision. The field is white to harvest. Secondly, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. And third, he says, go ye and disciple all nations. To whom did he say that? To disciples, to real disciples. So I would suggest to you that the one thing we're responsible for is to pray the Lord of the harvest to thrust forth laborers into his harvest field. And you can cooperate with us in many, many ways, by prayer, by gift, by encouragement. You can do all these things that the Lord's prayer may be answered. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Now he tells them how to go. In verses 3 to 8, 
He tells them how to go. We had this in chapter 9, now we have it in chapter 10. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Without baggage, they were to be in a hurry. It says, carry neither purse, nor scrape, nor shoes. Salute no man, by the way. You've got to be in a hurry. Salute no man. Go without baggage. And then you are to go in complete dependence upon him. Because he said, I send you as lambs in the midst of wolves. And brother, we have no choice. We have been sent into a world that has no place for him. I send you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Paul could say to the Ephesian church, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, uh, thinking of the world into which we go with the gospel, he speaks about the fact we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against wicked spirits in the heavenlies. We are to put on the whole armor of God. My friend, again, may I say to you, the world is not a friend to the grace of God has no place for the person of the Savior. The world is becoming increasingly sinful, outspoken in its sinfulness and lawlessness. I'm not going to debate the question. I'm just stating a fact. You only need to read your papers to see this. Read your magazines. It's worldwide. And we've left us down here to do this job. I send you as lambs in the midst of wolves. What for? If I may quote Campbell Morgan on this, he said, he sends us as lambs in the midst of wolves to transform wolves into sheep. Now, only God can transform people. Only God can change your nature. How glad I am that when you and I accept the Savior, he gives us an entirely new nature. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become you. So they were to go in complete dependence upon God. They were to hurry up with their testimony. Um, don't tarry on the way. Salute no man by the way. And they were to go out as his representatives. Uh, you remember this. We are his, we are his representatives. Uh, we, as Corinthians 5.20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And then what they were to do he goes on down and tells us through these verses, you're to go into the house. If they accept you, well and good. If they don't, then go forth and wipe the dust off your feet. And when you go, you heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come unto you. And he goes on to say about the fact that they would be rejected. They were to go and heal the sick, and they were to preach the kingdom of God. And this is our job. Judgment upon those who reject it, right on down through to verse 16. Judgment on those who were rejecting the gospel. Now, he goes on and mentions certain towns. He mentions, for example, wonder they Chorazin, wonder they Bethsaida. If the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, that had been done in you, they would have a great while repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. It should be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon, those terrible Gentile cities, at the judgment than for you, Chorazin and Bethsaida. And Capernaum, you which are exalted to heaven shall be cast down to hell. This is terrific language, is it not? But what's he doing? These are the towns where he spent most of his money for about three years. 
Our Lord spent most of his ministry in Galilee. And these towns, Bethsaida, Chorazin, why Capernaum was his hometown. I know he was raised in Nazareth, but when it came to his ministry, Capernaum was the center from which he worked out. This became his home place. He performed too many miracles in Bethsaida, Chorazin, Capernaum, uh, all the way down through that whole area of Galilee. And he said, it is far better. It's going to be more tolerable for these terrible cities of Tyre, of Sidon, of Sodom, of Gomorrah, than it would be for these cities in the day of judgment. In other words, the more God reveals to a person, the greater is that person's responsibility to obey God. Someone was saying to me, why not long since, why, Mr. Mitchell, do you mean tell me that I'll stand before God and have less, less judgment than these people from, say, the darkest part of South America or Africa or somewhere in Southeast Asia? Yes, yes. Living in this country, you've had the opportunity of hearing the Word of God. You've been surrounded by at least professing Christians all over the country. These are the folks who've never heard the gospel. You will be judged because you have rejected the light. They are in darkness because of ignorance. And your darkness is much more dense than the darkness of these folk in these different countries. You have had the opportunity of hearing the gospel of the Son of God. Is it not a terrible thing to live in a country all your lifetime and know about Jesus Christ, the Son of God? It may be you've heard distorted ideas. It may be you have seen Christians who didn't live like Christians. That may be true. You may alibi your unbelief because you've seen so much possibly dishonesty or things that should not, that have been done by those who profess to be a Christian, things they shouldn't have done, things they shouldn't have said. That may be true. That may be true. But listen, he's not going to judge you by that. He's going to buy, judge you by what are you going to do? What have you done with Jesus Christ, his beloved son? His son came to save you from sin, to save you from judgment. And when our Lord pronounced judgment on these cities that had rejected him, They'll be far in a far worse plight than these terrible cities of the ancient world like Sodom and Gomorrah, which God blotted out, or Tyre and Sidon, which was known for their opposition to the things of God. These pagan cities will have a better standing in the judgment of God in Capernaum, Bethsaida, Chorazin, Nain, you name it, all those towns in Galilee where he did his wonderful, mighty works. The revelation of the Son of God right before them. With his power, with his authority, with his gracious words, they saw, they heard, they knew about it from day to day, from month to month, yet they spurned him. They rejected him. They said, after a while, we will not have this man to reign over us. I say it's going to be more tolerable for these terrible ancient cities of the ancient world than for these cities where the Lord moved among them for three years, performing his miracles, feeding their hungry, healing their sick, raising their dead, blessing them, and yet they turned on him. Oh, I tell you, friends, it's a terrible thing to reject the word of God. I say what I've said so often, unbelief is a terrible, terrible thing. God grant that none of you who are listening to my voice today have spurned the Savior, but rather may you accept him 
And Jesus is saying to you again, come unto me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you forgiveness. I'll give you life eternal. Why don't you come? All he says is come. Put your trust in me. And that's what I'll do for you. And the Lord bless you today. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.